Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Romans chapter 1, verse number 1, the Bible says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. Paul, the first word of the book of Romans, he introduces himself, and he introduces himself in two ways. One is his relationship to Christ, and that would be a servant, and then two would be his calling, that would be an apostle. And look at Paul's focus at the end of verse number one. His focus is this. He's separated under politics? No. Under social reform? No. He's separated under the gospel of God. He's not looking to set up a food bank. He's not looking to run for political office. He's not looking to be the influencer in the town. He's looking to be an advocate for the gospel. Whatever your job is or whatever line of work that you're in or whatever special calling you might have, great. But as Christians, we do well to be like Paul and be separated unto the gospel because that is what saves souls. That is our great commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Paul knew. He knew what lane was his. And he stayed in his lane. He didn't get his hands mixed up in too many different things. So he's so convoluted. Acts 9, it says, but he is a chosen vessel unto me. Galatians 1.15, we already preached through it. But it says, but please God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. Find yourself a heathen this week. And preach him. So much distraction. On the news. Turn it off. So much distraction on the scroll. Get what you need and turn it off. And then find yourself a heathen. Talk to them about spiritual matters. That Jesus Christ. Came into the world to save sin. But he introduces himself as Paul. Saul. Now Paul. But names come and go. There's many Pauls in heaven, I would assume. There's many Pauls that are walking around on this earth as Christians right now, I would assume. Now, it's not this Paul, but people come and go. Preachers come and go. We spend a lot of time building our family legacy. Athletes spend a lot of time building their accolades with all of their wins and every decade there's a new heavyweight champion of the world every year there's a new super bowl champion every year there's a new top 10 list on the forbes who's the most richest man in the world people come and go names come and go paul said i am a servant of jesus christ I don't want to be remembered by my name. I want to be remembered as a servant. And I submit to you, try not to live your life being remembered for your name, but for his name's sake. And be a servant unto God. Paul takes the lowest place 
in the proper position in the high to the highest one in his relationship with the Lord. Also, names tend to separate. I mean, how are you going to sit down for lunch with the richest man in the world? How are we going to get together for an outing with the Super Bowl champions? How are we going to get together with people that have different influence than we do? We're not. In many ways, names and who we are down here separates us. But do you know what unites us? We're all servants of Jesus Christ. That's the uniting factor. That's the one thing that shouldn't divide us. We are all gathered under the umbrella of, we just all want to serve. If the floor needs to be vacuumed, we'll do it. Why? Because we want, we want to serve Jesus. If gospel tracts need to be handed out, we'll do it. Why? Because we want to serve Jesus. And if somebody gives you a snarky look or somebody gets on your case, you just know they did worse to our Lord. Don't worry about your name and reputation. Worry about being a servant for the Lord. Verse number one, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. This isn't Paul's good news. Whose good news is it? It's God's good news. Don't ever forget, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And John, at least 15 times, Jesus references the Father hath sent me. Jesus said, for I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. This is the gospel of God. It's not something to be trifled with. It's not something to take lightly. Some people take the gospel of God as like they would a book report for school, like they would for a science project in college. It's the gospel of God. It's not our message. We get to be used by the highest, the greatest, the creator. And my debt to this town and your debt to this town is that nobody would come into this town and not know about Jesus Christ. Because somebody from this small little congregation is going to tell them about it. And it might be at lunch. It might be. Uh, when you're walking down your neighborhood, it might be at a fair, it might be at an event, it might just be at work on lunch break. But it's God's, it's the gospel of God. Let's not take it light. Verse number two, the Bible says, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. By his prophets, Moses, the seed, the woman's seed, Abraham's seed, Shiloh. David, thine anointed, the pierced one, Psalm 22. Isaiah, he's called the virgin son in Isaiah 7. He's called wonderful, counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace, a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. He's called the man of sorrow. He's called the righteous servant. Jeremiah calls him the righteous branch, the Lord, our righteousness. Ezekiel refers to him as the true David and the shepherd king. Daniel calls him the Messiah prince, the prince. Micah calls him the ruler in Israel. 
Haggai calls him the desire of all nations. Zechariah, the man that is my fellow, the man that is my shepherd. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. Malachi calls him the messenger of the covenant and the son of righteousness. That's what he means when he says in verse number two, which he had promised before by his prophets. And then it says in the Holy Scriptures. You know why they're holy? Paul didn't write it. God is the author. Paul was inspired by God. My faith isn't in Paul. My faith isn't in the translator. My faith is not in a scribe. My faith is in God. And God is the one who is the author. Get 2 Peter 1 and Hebrews 1. 2 Peter 1. Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Our faith and hope is not in Paul. God is the author. Second Peter chapter one, look at verse 21. Most of you know this verse, the last verse in the first chapter. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake, period. Except there isn't a period there. You can call yourself the Holy Pontiff. You're not. You can call yourself a Pope. You can call yourself anything you want to call yourself. When you speak, it's not God speaking, as the Roman Catholic Church would try to convince you. These holy men spake as they were moved. By the Holy Ghost. And these prophets, we're not putting our faith and trust in. They were moved by God's spirit. Holy Ghost. And they spake. It was not man's will. It was God. Hebrews 1.1. 1, 1. Hebrews 1.1. 1, 1. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. God gave those prophets a message. God was the author. The Bible says the Holy Scriptures were designed to do this. That the man of God may be perfect truly furnished unto all good works. As we learn through the book of Galatians, good works don't save us. But you know, we were saved to do good works. We were saved unto, do, unto good works. We got to be careful that I was brought up in a religion that taught you salvation came through doing the correct good works. That doesn't mean as Christians we shouldn't do the correct good works. It just means that it doesn't merit us favor with God. Sanctify them through thy truth. Well, where do you find that? Thy word is truth. Pretty simple. 
Keep your finger in Romans 1. Get Matthew chapter number 1. Don't lose Romans 1, but get Matthew 1. Romans chapter 1, verse number 3. The Bible says, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David, according to the flesh. Look at Jesus Christ, our Lord. Acts 2 says, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. When you're looking in Matthew chapter 1, as we try to... As we try to divide verse 3 in Romans 1, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We've got three things, Jesus, Christ, and Lord. Matthew one let let's watch this. It says, and she, Matthew one twenty one, shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people. From their sin. Jesus. As the savior. That's what he came to do. He's the savior. But when you see Jesus. It is also his personal name. That reflects or identifies. His humanity. That's Jesus. That's his name for humanity. And identifying here in Matthew 1. As the savior. All right, get John chapter 20, and we'll look at Christ. John chapter 20. Christ is God's anointing one. Christ is the Messiah. And look at John chapter 20. Jesus, his personal name, identifying his humanity. Jesus came to save his people from their sins. And now John chapter 20, verse 31, it says, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, notice those definite articles, there's no ifs, ands, or buts, and that believing ye might have life through Muhammad's name? No. Through Harry Krishna's name? No. Through your denomination? No. Through his name. Whose name? Jesus, who is the Christ, the Son of God. There is no other way that's the exclusivity of the gospel. So we have Jesus, the Savior, Christ, who gives life. And now get Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. As we look at Jesus Christ, our Lord. People don't want him as their Lord. I mean, they'll put him up there on the pedestal with their other gods. You know, the TV and then the, you know, the Facebook and the Insta Sin and, and the sports and the uh, just go on down the line and pick your idol. <laughs> Everybody's OK with Jesus as long as it's the Jesus that they can add to their other gods, which really isn't the Jesus of the Bible. They don't want him as Lord. Is he your Lord? If you've trusted him as your savior, he is your Lord. And watch what it says. Acts chapter 10, verse 36. 
toward the middle of the verse, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. Bible also says he's the Lord of heaven and earth. He is the highest of high places. Where is he in your life? First place. Okay. Prove it. That's what the world says. Prove it. What is your heart attracted to with what you watch? What is your heart attracted to with what you listen? What is your heart attracted to by what you do? What is your heart attracted to by, I was going to say checkbook, but nobody uses a checkbook anymore. It's by your credit card statement. Young people, pay attention. You can spend a lot of money on trucks and toys and dolls and games, ball bats, new dresses. All those things are fine and dandy. But where are you laying your treasure up? In eternal things or earthly? Because it's all going to pass away. If he's your Lord, where's your heart's desire? I can't wait to save up to get this new Tonka truck. I can't wait to save up to get this new dress. How about I can't wait to save up because there's a missionary I know that I heard of that's in wherever they're at. There's plenty of them. I can't wait to get my bike. I'm going to go ride the park. I'm going to do all this. I'm going to have a grand time. Great. Have a grand time. Ride your bike. Enjoy God's creation. But are we notching out time? Man, I can't get, I can't wait to get out there. There's somebody, there's a neighbor, there's a friend, there's somebody at the park. I know that needs to hear about Jesus Christ. And I want to tell them about it. Serve them in your youth. You won't run the risk of growing old and being bitter. And instead of serving God, you just shake your fist at God and say, God, we don't really say it this way. We just, as adults, can make it a little more spiritualized. There's hypocrites at church. And then I point out, well, there's hypocrites everywhere. You don't stop going everywhere else. <laughs> it's, it's not like nobody shops at the co-op. There's hypocrites there. Somebody sold you a bag of seed that wasn't right. You still buy seed if you farm. You don't farm, you buy something else. Is he your Lord? Is he your Lord? He's the essence. It says the gospel of God. Let's look at our Bibles again in Romans chapter 1. Where am I at? And declared, uh, let's see, we'll hold up on it. Look at verse number one, I'm sorry. Paul says he's separated under the gospel of God. A couple more thoughts on that. We think, and, I, and I've thought this. Well, the gospel, it's just how somebody gets saved. So because it's how somebody gets saved, we need to be able to preach the gospel. And, and we do. But it really isn't just that. It's concerning the son of God. 
it's like sometimes we trifle with it in the sense that, well, I'm going to go out and preach the gospel. I'm going to go out and tell somebody about Jesus, and we should. But if we're not careful, we can rob people of the glory concerning God and Jesus Christ as God. And if we're not careful, we as Christians are robbed of worshiping that God if it's just, well, that's what we preach. No, it's concerning the Lord Jesus Christ as God. And it brings it to a whole nother plane. We can't get wrapped up and self-absorbed in an intellectual mind game trying to weigh out what we speak about. We're not careful. Our own mental capacity can become an idol. We can't forget to bring it back. God should be the one who is glorified. And if somebody doesn't get saved and trust Jesus as their savior, I would pray and hope that God would be glorified. And people make fun. Well, what good does passing tracks out do? I mean, what good does telling people they're a sinner do? I mean, what good does preaching open air do? Uh, well, God gets glorified. I mean, is that good enough for you? <laughs> Why are you worried about why somebody responds to you? I mean, if you're responding in the right spirit, you don't want to be rude or crass or unchristian as you try to give a Christian message, right? We're not talking about that. We're talking about why isn't it just okay that God gets glorified and you get nothing except a snarky look and a, I'm good. God should be glorified. Which means we're not the focus. We play a small part in somebody that is the Lord, someone that is Jesus, someone that is the Christ, the Savior. And we get to play a small part in that. And praise God. You don't have to be the lead hitter. You don't have to be the star pitcher. All you have to do is be a small part and say, God, I'm willing to be used by you. Whatever small part that is, I'll do it. You know how many people told me that I'm wasting my time doing what I'm doing? And they've stopped now because I've gotten away from them. But <laughs> You should focus your efforts on something else. Why? Because they see you're successful in one area. They say, well, why would you? They see it as you are moving backward in life if you serve Jesus. But you're not. You get to serve the highest of high the Lord all right let's do one more verse one more verse kids you should know I only got three three pages of notes on one verse so we'll be fine you'll get to you get to have lunch just just great all right are you in Romans chapter one I see some are taking notes that's great get verse number four it says well we have according to the flesh at the end of verse 3, you see that? Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. That's the seed of David. It says also according to the spirit. Watch this in verse 4. And declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. This spirit of holiness declared to be the son of God. This is with power and it's demonstrated how 
by the resurrection of the dead. You're a sinner. Okay, I know I'm a sinner. Christ died on the cross to save you from your sins. Okay, I know that. Okay, you've pointed out all these sins I've done. Okay, yeah, I know God is righteous and just to send me to hell because of my sin. I get it. Okay, great. I'm a criminal before God. I've committed high crimes against him, and I'm son. Okay, great. So when are we going to get to the good news? Because the good news, we can't forget this. The resurrection makes it good news. There is no gospel without a resurrection. He rose from the dead. That means he didn't need oxygen. He didn't need a COVID shot. He did a vaccine. He didn't need oxygen. He didn't need a ventilator. It's God. And when he was ready, he came on up from the grave. But these two things that Paul points out as he's introducing himself and the centrality of the gospel is that the Son of God truly is the essence of the gospel. And he presents it really in two ways. One, as the Son of David or the seed of David. We see that. And when he was presented as the Son of David, that's with promise. Messiah would come from David's lineage, right? That was a promise. God will establish a kingdom enduring forever. So the seed of David refers here to God coming with promise. Second Samuel chapter 7, you don't have to turn there for the sake of time, but it says in thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. There's no condition on the obedience. God made a promise and he's going to keep the promise. It's not conditioned upon David's obedience. And it is not conditioned upon the nation of Israel's obedience. It's God's promise. The seed of David refers to God is 100% faithful to his promise. Us, not so much. God, 100%. The second thing this refers to, or what we're going to look at, as God is the central part of the gospel, is that he's the son of God. Son of David with promise, but the son of God is with power. Okay. He comes down, Jesus, in a sinful world, walks among sinful men, but never sin. You try it. Husbands. You try working all day in the hot sun and then come home and then the wife doesn't have dinner ready. Yeah, you see if you don't sing. <laughs> Where's my food? <laughs> hey? <laughs> You're not married yet. <laughs> you, you Look. Ladies, wives, prepare the house. Fix it all up real nice. Get pretty up. Put out a nice spread on the table. And then have your husband come home and not be thankful. See if you don't sin. <laughs> it's hard, right? We're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, yet we walk around as Christians in this sinful world. And you know what happens when a young person gets saved on Monday? By Tuesday, they're fighting with brother or sister about that's my toy. That's this sinful world. That wasn't Jesus. That's power. 
Not only that, but the proof of his power is, like the verse says in verse 4, by the resurrection from the dead. Now, you want to try to walk around not sinning? Try rising from the dead. You or I aren't going to do it. But God is because he's because he's with power. He's the son of God. He's with power. Christ is able to guard himself against sin. He walked in holiness, was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He faced death. He offered himself without spot to God. And let's get Ephesians 1 and 1 Corinthians 15 and we'll close. Ephesians 1 and 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He walked in holiness. He faced death. This is how Christ was able to guard himself from sin. And he also conquered death. Ephesians 1, verse number 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. That's why we sing victory in Jesus. Because the only way you'll have victory is through Jesus Christ conquering sin and death and rising from the dead. And it doesn't matter if he was living on earth or rising from the dead. The spirit of holiness and the power of God was on display. And that power is the essence of the gospel. Lastly, and we'll be done. First Corinthians chapter 15. And I know it's intimidating to witness to people and talk to them about spiritual things. But if you don't compel them to think about spiritual matters, who will? The college professor? Well, they're all atheists. <laughs> the boss? They want you clocking in and making money for them. This Laodicean church age that gets people attracted to church by hiring pretzels to clown to come in. <laughs> You're laughing now. You're laughing now. But just go home and thank your parents that they have you in a church that's going to try their best to teach and preach to you the Bible. And try to minister to your hearts, not your flesh. Which is what this thing has turned into. I'm concerned about heart matters. I want you to be concerned about heart matters. And that's the whole focus behind what Paul is introducing here is the gospel. It's God's gospel. Hearts and souls are at stake. He's laying out a great groundwork of introduction. But if you don't know where to go, just go to 1 Corinthians 15. If you're saved and, and, and you're not, and, and, and if the Bible's too big of a book for you and you just got saved, you can do two things. One, just tell somebody how you got saved because if you truly did get saved, that's gonna, the gospel's going to come out. Okay. And number, right? All right. Number two, just know to go to 1 Corinthians 15. If you don't know anything else, just go to 1 Corinthians 15. Why? Because it says, 
Christ died. Look at verse three. How that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Look at verse four. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And people say, well, I need to see evidence. Okay. And that he was seen of Cephas. Well, that's one guy. Cephas saw it. Well, you know, all the lawyers say now that, you know, one person, an eyewitness on evidence, that, that, that doesn't hold up in court anymore because they could be biased. Oh, okay. Then it says, then at a 12. So when somebody says something about just one guy seeing it, you say, well, no, it wasn't just Cephas. The 12 saw it too, so that's 13. Is that good enough? No. Okay, then keep reading. After that, he was seen of about 500 brethren. Well, they could have all had a, you know, they could have been one guy here, one guy there, and they just added up 500, and they really didn't know what each other saw. No, 500 at once. And they're all testifying. So we got 513 eyewitnesses. And you're going to believe CNN. Yeah, I'm buying that. Not. <laughs> Do they say not anymore? That was something we used to say. For I delivered. Last thing. Verse 3. For I delivered unto you first of all. Paul starts out with the first of all, God, the gospel, and the essence of it, and him as a servant, and that the gospel is all about Jesus Christ. It's all about where we need to start and glorifying and serving the one who should be served. This is Paul's way of introducing the first three verses in the book of Romans. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.